This episode is brought to you by Aquarius Productions. If you need anything done, you go check them out at facebook.com slash Productions, or you can email them at AquariusProductions at gmail.com. This episode is also brought to you by that dirty motherfucker, BJ DeBlow. He knows what he did. He would have started his own podcast, but he's too chicken shit. <laughs> okay. Start the show. that music means it means it's time for open micah's podcast my name is jason robbins i'm a human chicken nugget jacob craig yes. and our guest tonight <laughs> is the founder of lafayette comedy who has hosted shows uh upcoming shows he's hosting for the likes of kurt Branoller, carlos mancia todd barry shane gillis and many more too many for me to be fucked to write down so you're gonna have to go to lafayettecomedy.com <laughs> To check out all of those great performers, get all those fucking tickets. Please welcome the mastermind behind it all, Mr. J.P. Leonard, to the program. How you doing today, man? I'm good, man. You you could have left off that Mencia plug, but that's all right. That's on <laughs> hey, you. Hey, look, I'll, man. I'll look, <laughs> you, there's only so long you can suffer before you gotta do that stand up again, man. Come on. Well, I'm just worried about me. They just the the the, the blowback has been brutal on me. So you know that that's. I've that's been fine, seeing but... that everywhere, I, and I've I've also been seeing people too, like these holier than thou producers that are like, "Yeah, we turned down Mencia last month." Like, yeah, good for you, cocksucker. But you know, he, what, despite what he did, it's still good for a small scene to have a credit of being like, "Hey, I opened for Carlos Mencia." Not just that; it's just trying to get people, you know, a different audience. So that, that's my main goal. But I regret it, so that's fine. We'll move past it. <laughs> That's an amazing plug for an upcoming show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, still come to the show, but no, I just, it's just, yeah, the blowback. But I mean, sure, the show's to be fine. He's still got a big agency. It's just, you know, he's, okay, moving on. Next, who's the next sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we mentioned other people too, dude. Like, you are, I mean, you're like the Michael Jordan of fucking booking local comedy, dude, because you've got all these heavy hitters coming through. Um, I mean, how, what's that process like, dude? Like, what, how, how are you able to, to reel in all these big fish? Uh, it just started with, like, a track record, man. Uh, started back in 2015. First show was Tom Segur, right before he broke on Netflix, right before, I think, Completely Normal. Um, and, you know, we nailed that one, boom. And then from there, it was just building a relationship with, uh, with the agencies. And, um, you know, and, and that was it. And then it just... You know, just keep on knocking out shows, knocking out shows, do good, organized, well-run shows. And then, you know, now most of the time it's just people hit me directly and it's just, you know, just keeps growing and growing. So we just had Eric Bergstrom this past weekend and then um, Robert Kelly before that, as Pat before that, Sean Pat and Shane Torres. And then the rest of this year is just, you know, pretty, pretty killer. Oh, yeah, man. Sean Patton's actually our best friend, little known fact. Uh, best friend <laughs> of the program. Oh, I just saw in here that Kyle Kinane's coming in December. Yeah, oh, buddy. yeah. yeah. yeah He's one of my, my favorite comedians time. right now. I, I, put me on that show, please. 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 Uh, <laughs> you already lost your spot to Dave Stone. So uh, Damn that. Dave Stone, <laughs> screw him. Give me the slut. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, let's talk about that for a minute, though, man. Like, what kind of... Um, openers are you getting for these people like uh, are you having trouble finding local openers are you are you getting oh, no. regional openers in what's going on 
So, um, so what I do is I default to the use of the artist and say, Hey, you bring in your own feature, which a lot of them do. Uh, some of them already have ties to other people, you know, oh, I know this person. So, you know, I let them dictate it. And then from there, it's basically like, okay, what else Do you need openers? I can do it. Do you need video clips? You know, a lot of them want to approve it. Um, uh, but no, man, I've been using a lot of my uh, locals and they've been killing it um i i'm i'm finally like i feel like i'm in a in a, a position where i can kind of force more locals on there you know and they, they i guess it's like the agents of the comics trust that it's gonna be a good show and you know shoot we just had robert kelly two weeks ago and um every person on there killed you know so not just lafayette people i use baton rouge people uh and sometimes new orleans people um yeah just depends on uh i know what like i had uh Isaac Cozell just went through there with Eric Bergstrom and that's, you know, one of my good buddies. So he came to the Friday night show this past weekend and, you know, just destroyed. So like, it's been, it's been nice. And it's trying to, I'm also on the point of trying to get like all my locals to grow them, to move from past, you know, eight to 10 minute sets to 15, 20, 25, you know, yeah. uh, which is the, which is really the next phase. So. Right. Yeah. And that's the mark of a good producer too, is, is investing in that, homegrown talent so that you don't just have a clump of open markers like we have in Mississippi and three comics that have over 20 minutes. Um, yeah, no. Um, I mean, like our scene's pretty small. So I have maybe four to seven solid comics that I can trust, um, you know, to, to like really deliver. And then, you know, we got a bunch of open and new newcomers and everything. Um, right. But it's just, you know, yeah, a small pool and, you know, just trying to find who's also the best fit for that show too yeah absolutely um how was texas i know you just uh you just got home you were touring with eric bergstrom yourself i do believe yeah yeah we did um so i had him here friday and then uh we did two shows in texas uh in houston at the uh the riot well at rudders but it's the show's called the riot which is killer so about like mm-hmm. 65 70 people per show um all seated tables so did two shows over there which is killer. And then uh, Sunday night we went to uh, Austin and I uh, got to do the Creek and Cave, which is, which is some, you know, I'm very, very nervous. I have this thing where like, if I respect your room, I'm going to get really nervous because Creek and Cave is like an institution in New York and now it's in Austin. And, and you know, so I'm, um, you know, I don't want to, I want to look like a fool, but at the same time, like I really respect everything that, you know, that room has done since it's been there and before because it's bring through, amazing comedians uh so I, I take it seriously and i was that's the most nervous i've ever been you know to do a show um uh, but it was great great venue great people so and i love austin so how is the that's the awesome. comedy scene in austin uh because i oh, would it's, it's i would love to get out that way i actually uh one of our you know biggest comedians a couple of years ago went out that way Derek copswa and he's mm-hmm. out that way now he was running the uh not what is what is landmass here on the Gulf Coast. Yeah. He was running that a few years ago, and then he went out to Austin. And it seems like he's doing pretty well out there. Yeah, him, him, and his wife—they're both solid comedians. Oh, so good. Um, Austin seems great. Like pre <clears throat> pre COVID, it was great. It's where you know you know I had we had a guy from Baton Rouge move over there, and I was like disappointed because you know I don't get to use him anymore. But he you know he loves it over there. And then now after COVID, I mean, you know, everyone knows about, you know, everyone moving there, but their scene's still great. Um, you got great, all the great shows are coming back. Um, uh, I'm going to be back out there in October for the Altercation uh, Comedy Festival, which is just a stacked lineup as well. So 
um, yeah, I'm glad it's it's rolling. It should be a great scene, and it is because it's just got a talent. You know, there's so many great comics there. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming somewhat of a renaissance again too. Where, you know, it's not like in um, I want I don't want to say New York, but it's definitely not like in L.A. where everything you do is put under a microscope. It's it's kind of creating these closed circuits again, where you come into this comedy club, you do your comedy whatever you say stays in that room. So you can just kind of make mistakes as a comic and you know, not really yeah. get uh, pitchforked over it. No, it's, it's that professionalism that goes into a scene, you know, how that should be run. Um, and it's not just for the audience members, but also for your, you know, your local comics. And, uh, you know, they got, you know, of course, every scene's going to have some, some yahoos, but you know, they, they've got it down. They've, they've got it what, it, what needs to be done. And it's, it's a great scene. You know, and just just going to that's the first room I've got to visit, you know, post COVID. But Creek and Cave is just it's a great you got outdoor, you got indoors, very flexible room. And uh, yeah, just really good people. Yeah, man. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but Eric Bergstrom is actually our best friend, uh, best friend of the program. <laughs> uh, uh, don't tell Sean. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, don't tell Sean. Don't tell Jenny Zagrino. Don't tell. Uh, I'll don't tell Jason Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Carlos Mencia. Yeah. Yeah. Don't but, tell um, him. So, did so. you get to share a car with him? What's it? Cause I know, I don't, I don't know how you guys travel, but I know that whenever I go on the road with somebody, we share a car hundred percent of the time. And yeah. I always end up finding some kind of weird quirk about that person by the end of the road trip. No, it was, yeah, we, we did share a car. Um, you know, the, we drove from here to Houston to Austin. Um, no, it was cool. I got to take him to his first Bucky's which was like, oh, you know, that's, wow. that's, that's, that's a proud moment as me as a father and right uh, passage you know, right there. <laughs> yeah. We went to a Bucky's on Saturday and Sunday. And then of course I hit it coming back. So, uh, no, it was cool. I mean, we get to talk, you, you know, you, a lot of, uh, we didn't play, I didn't realize we turned on the radio for like 10 minutes and that was just, we were discussing a particular song, but other than that, it was off the whole time. Didn't have anything playing, no radio, no podcast. Uh, it was just talking and, you know, just, you know, I love nerd out, you know, I call it inside baseball, just getting stories from, you know, whatever. And I was, I was at his um, comedy central half hour a couple of years ago, the recording of it, you know, the taping mm-hmm. in new Orleans. And so, you know, you just talk about things from that and, you know, just, you know, everything we, we talk about the scene here, talk about what's going on in New York and everything. And it, it was just easy conversation. He's a good dude, man. Uh, okay. So now I'm interested, Jacob, since me and you do a lot of traveling together, <laughs> what's my quirk? <laughs> so we haven't gone on tour since you stopped vaping, but your quirk used to be every five minutes with that fucking oral fixation, having to have something in your goddamn mouth, <laughs> puffing it in my fucking face for four hours. Hey, <laughs> it, at least it smelled like fruity pebbles. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah, we replaced right. that with a uh, Bucky's beaver nuggets. That was our world fixation. <laughs> like every, Hell yeah, every dude. couple miles just eating those. So. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a horrible road partner. <laughs> the, the, the last person I went tour on tour with, he ended up getting pizza in his floorboard carpet. So yeah, you are horrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm a horrible person, but to be fair, we also stopped at Bucky's. So well, yeah, a lot of food. I got a rubber weather resistant mat, so we'll be okay, you know. There you go, man. But um, I feel like we've talked about your production uh, a lot. So I want to talk about Jason P. Leonard, the comedian, a little bit. Um, Basic question, origins in comedy, run it down for us. I'm sure you've been asked a million times. How'd you get started? 
I uh, was booking bands for a bar that I used to, before I did comedy, I did music for like 14 years. And uh, my band would play this place and he asked me to start booking some things. So I was helping him out. And then um, <clears throat> I went to New Orleans one night, met some, some comics and then we were talking just a random place. And I mentioned I booked bands and they're like, if you ever want to try comedy, you know, let's go. And so we, uh, I went back to the owner. He's like, yeah. So it was a monthly Wednesday night show. Um, and I didn't go for the first couple of months cause I had band practice on Wednesdays, which is just sounds dumb. But, um, and then one night they're like, Hey, we do an open mic. And I never knew you could do comedy. I was a, a diehard comedy fan since I was a kid. I never knew you could just do it. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I am going to try this. And so I went up uh my first time and after that i was like okay and then they invited me back next week just to do time and i was like okay and i had all my jokes written word for word you know um and then so it's still a monthly show and then bands weren't working there and i, I mentioned to the guys like look you know i could do more comedy he goes every friday is yours gave me a budget <laughs> and then that's what that's what wow. started it and then it was unique because we did an open mic but we didn't do the open mic to after the show so the first hour was a booked show, you know, I have a headliner and like, you could bring someone, you know, we, you know, so I was a host and there was like two to three comedians. And then, uh, cause I always say my, my worst fear is an, for someone in the audience, their first time coming to comedy is to come to an open mic. So the first hour was like a good solid book show. And then after that, we would take a five minute break and then roll the open mic. And then that's what kind of started. I mean, we had like people like uh, Dave Ross came through, um, Ryan Singer. I didn't know who they were. They were just like, hey, I'm coming through. I heard you got a show. And then that kind of snowballed it. And then it was once I started doing it and realizing, hey, the, the only way to grow this one is to, like as get people to your shows, but also to attract more comedians was to like got to take it to the next step. And then that's when I put in the offer for old Tommy Segura. And, um, and then. Yeah, since February 2015, it became like a legit thing. And then, you know, that year we had, you know, him, Mike Lawrence, uh, Nate Bergazzi, um, Joe DeRosa, Shane Moss. I mean, we had so many people uh, and it's just been kind of rolling ever since, you know. What do you uh, what do you prefer to to do? Do you uh, I mean, uh, of course, you like comedy, but w which one's easier booking and doing b uh, music shows or comedy shows? Oh, co comedy, because like, because I did everything in, in music other than play the other instruments. Like I booked the shows. I did all the PR. I did all the behind the scenes stuff, the design. And I played guitar and I ran sound from the stage, you know, and that's a lot of equipment to set up. Whereas comedy is just pretty easy. You know, you do your time and then most time you just, you know, kind of make sure everything's good. And at, at worst, I got to show up my own mic and cable. Other than that, it's all, you know, kind of done for you. So. Yeah, comedy is a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to show up five hours for a gig, you know. And then Same here. Worry, <laughs> Being a worry about a, a drummer for over twenty yeah. years is like I got a lot less stuff to carry when I, when it's just comedy. <laughs> the sound checks a lot quicker. Yeah. One, all right, we're good. You know, we don't even count the three. Yeah, uh, you know, most comedians are literate, but that's fine. Uh, but no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's so much easier. And then it's you know, then you're also at the mercy while you're out stage of three other people or four other people playing the same thing as you. And one of them gets drunk and it's like, you can't boot out the drum. No offense. You can't boot the drummer tonight. Cause you need a drummer. <laughs> so then, you know, where it's comedy, drummer. it's like, yeah, yeah. It's always a drummer. Uh, 
Yeah, but if it's comedy, it's like, oh, you messed up, then you you don't have to do the show, you know. So, yeah, way right. easier. It's scarier to do comedy because it's just you, your dumb thoughts, and a mm-hmm. crowd of you know people. And I always say, drunk people love being told to be quiet. So that's a little different. But you know, and with music, you know, even when I played acoustic acts, people that weren't into you, you just became a background jukebox. You know, and that was it. You know, yeah, you could just right. co- keep going through it. Whereas comedy. You can't just talk through it. So, have you had problems with a rowdy Louisiana crowd? Not too much. Every now and then we get an idiot. Um, uh, usually they're really, really drunk or they just didn't get the clue. But, you know, you get bar, you know, get some rooms where like, you know, the people won't be quiet, but usually the audience members or the bartenders will, you know, hey, you know, be quiet. And that's a big thing. Uh, unless it's the bartenders himself and you're like, Hey, come on, please <laughs> right. help, you know? Uh, but no, we, every now and then we get a Yahoo, but, um, for the, the most part, I would say it like, and since 2015, I've kicked out like forcibly, like, you know, Hey, you got to leave like five to 10 people max. So, which is amazing odds. <laughs> yeah. That's an incredible track record. I, I think I told you this. I know for sure. I told Jenny Zagrino and Andrew Youngblood, I was on the same show as them. Uh, you would hate Mississippi. <laughs> You'd hate it. Oh, I, I think, think we maybe lost J. We lost JP. All right, there he's back. He's back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, I'm still here. Sorry. Um, I've done. What? Which Mississippi? Which city? Uh, well, I can speak for the coast. I <laughs> can't speak for North Mississippi, but mm. on the coast, you'd fucking hate it. You wouldn't get a word out edgewise. That's just I've how done. It is. I've done Hattiesburg and loved it. Uh, I've done Meridian. That was interesting. Uh, that was like maybe like four or five years ago. Um, where else in Mississippi? I did Biloxi, but that was a, you know, that was a big show at the hard rock. So, uh, yeah, that's all I've, all I've done. So, and they've been fine, you know? Yeah, man. No bar shows in Mississippi, dude. I'm going to go to an open mic tonight after this. I don't even know why I'm trying new jokes, Jason. I don't know why. (laughs) Cause I'm not, I'm going to get talked over. That's, that's why I've had to develop my style of yelling into a fucking microphone so that people will listen to me. It's the mark of a yeah. Mississippi comedian. Yeah. I want you to do this tonight. I want you to do the opposite. I want you to get like Todd very quiet. I want you to be like yeah. very quiet and to see if it, see if that changes it. You know, I Todd Barry, uh, I don't think he has the ability feature. to be that quiet. I mean, we're talking I don't. about. <laughs> <laughs> and also Todd Barry passed me up as his future. Maybe. I don't know why. Maybe because we're too opposite. I don't know. But uh, um, yeah. you know, he's he's a unique he's a unique goose. Love him to death, but you know, he's, he, he's definitely personally a his own person. <laughs> I um, love him because you know our cats sh- share the same birthday. So you know, just just saying. What kind of white people shit is knowing your cat's <laughs> birthday? <laughs> it was on the adoption form where we, we he was a rescue. I mean, give me you credit. Adopted you adopted know? a cat. I did. I yeah, got two lighter. adopted cats. I've got the paperwork in the drawer right here next Wait, to me. Wait, I more, found mine more, on the side of the road. More like my cat adopted me. Okay, yes, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he saved me. <laughs> he saved me. We found each other. So, all right. Um, speaking of Todd Barry, who is your famous comic that you've gotten to work with to date? Like most famous? Oh, uh, no, favorite. Uh, oh, favorite. Oh, yeah. God, that's hard. I don't want to. Carlos Mencia. Uh, 
<laughs> I haven't worked with him yet, so you know he's still he's still in the batter's yeah. box. Um, I, I know you mentioned Segura, and that would be mine because I've been a, such a fan of his for so long. Personally, yeah. For me, it's not only it's it like I'm going into performance, but also like the 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 hang, like pre-show, post-hang. Right. Right. Um, I I couldn't pick out one. Like I just had the most amazing weekend with uh, Robert Kelly, you know, here in town. Um. Uh, Mark Norman's always great. Sean Patton's always great. Um, man, it just depends. It's like there's so many, you know, Shane Torres. I mean, it it, it probably like if I had to put it up there, Emo Phillips, because that one was very unique. And that's someone I've watched as a kid. So and is he still now, around? Now, he is. We had him like two, three years ago, and he came down like two days early, went to all these Cajun jams. Um, we ended up at a Whataburger after the show. <laughs> Which is the strangest place to be with Emo Phillips, <laughs> and then I had to drive, I had to drive him to New Orleans, him and his wife to his New Orleans show, and like that alone, you know, you get three hours in the car with Emo Phillips. It was so. Is he like that in mar- real life, or is that just a stage persona? Not as animated. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. Still, it's it's yeah, it's amazing. So, so I would say you know, like that, like. I know who my my favorite comedians are, and just those little hangs, you know, if it's just for a couple hours or whatever. You know, my my little top five is kind of you know, and I've had like, most of them, and that to me is just the favorite, you know, the best thing because I just you just hang it with them, especially when you open it up to not just talking comedy, just you know, other so you was, know, run of the mill things. Was comedy something that you loved growing up? Like, were you a fan of comedians growing up, or was it something that you kind of grew into? No, die hard. My um, my parents didn't PG anything, so they let me watch whatever. So I remember being a kid and watching, you know, Pryor's Live on the Sunset Strip and any comedy that came on TV. Um, I would get home from, you know, elementary school, middle school, watch uh, A&E, uh, the improv, uh, any half hour shows. I think me and, and TV. you are, are pretty much the same age. So did you watch things like Caroline's Comedy Hour and things like that? Yeah. 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 I used to like watch all, all, the, those. all those things. Uh, anything I could find, late night stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I just loved it. Um, I never knew you could do comedy. I just never put the thought in my head and only went to a few comedy shows, you know, you know, once I was, you know, past 18 and it was like rare things, you know, um, I just, and there was no scenes that I even knew in Lafayette, you know, I was also involved in music, but you just didn't hear about it. So, you know, the only comedians I saw was going to New Orleans or going to Houston. Um, but yeah, I wish I would have discovered, like, I wish I would have known you can do that like music you know a long time ago because i mean i got into it too late not too late but like so late in life that i'm like if only if i would have devoted that music time to that you know it, it, you know who knows i i feel you there <laughs> yeah, yeah i feel like, kind of in that I same feel like everyone's gonna have that feeling though because i started yeah. doing comedy when i was 17 and i'm still always all the time like man i wish i would have started when i was 14 well you like, can't i, I mean that like extra yeah. time yeah, exactly. No, I'm t- I'm talking about like if I would have got into it like right when I got into college, you know, because that would have yeah. just been, you know. Yeah, but I feel um, like if who- I if if I would have gotten into it then at that young of an age, I I don't think I would have progressed as fast as I did because I, I yeah. don't know, I feel like at that age I I wouldn't have had the I don't know the life experience that I have now. Yeah, and uh-huh. all the yeah, things that sure. I find funny. Well, I mean, yeah, keep talking out of your ass. <laughs> 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 it's also like the like what the networking then so you know when i 
you know, when I was in college, when I started college, the internet was just, you know, was still, you know, there was still no social media thing. So how are you finding out about things? So now it's so easy, you know, I mean, look what we're doing, you know, or, you know, you could connect with someone on Facebook and next thing, you know, you could build your whole tour in one night, you know, just, you know, messaging people. So, um, I mean, it would totally different beast. And, you know, to me, I would probably, if I would have got into it, I would have moved to like where New York, you know, that was, you know, that was the Mecca and I, I never had any desire to ever go to New York. Like it was always this thing I saw on TV and now it's like, I would move there tomorrow. You know, it's just, it's just a, I don't know. I mean, things happen. And so right now for me, it's just like, all right, well, if you're in it, make it work, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's perks of starting, you know, wherever you are in life, obviously there's perks of starting when you're 17, you have all this time to progress and grow. You're going to be, you know, 10 years into comedy by 27. And there's yeah. perks of starting in later in life, like Jason said. I mean, you're going to have all this life experience to draw on. So, you I mean, you can sit down and write a 15-minute story about something that happened to you in 1997 and, the, I don't know, the behind a blockbuster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, also like a wife and kids material and, you know, if you focus on job or just other things, you know. But, you know, just try not to live in regret and just kind of, you know, roll roll with what I got. So. Oh, and that's what I was going to say, you know, too, before I was so rudely interrupted by Jacob uh, and his youngness was. Uh... Hey, I'm just saying, write jokes, Jason. Well, just that's the thing. Jokes, like, I don't bud. think I would have had the ability to write the jokes that I can now at, you know, at your age. Like when you started at 17, when I was 17, I, you know, I was writing stuff, but it was short stories and things like that. I didn't right. know how to craft a joke, but I think over the years of in actually watching and enjoying comedy and watching, you know, as much comedy as I could watch it, it sort of informed like by osmosis, learn how to craft a joke. So by the time I actually got to the stage, I was like, okay, this is how you, how you craft a, you know, a five minute set or whatever. This is what yeah, and also mean. now it's, it's so much easier to take in and you can study more. And that's what I call it. Not just, you know, watch it on TV, listen to albums, but like, go on to shows and so there's you know every town now has a little scene of some sort right. so now you get to study a little more and it's you know so it's so much accessible whereas before you buy a book you you get a dv a vhs tape you know way back in the day and then you just kind of see what happens so so who was that's your an interesting oh go ahead sorry yeah i wanted to touch on a point there that's that's interesting yeah let me just fucking knock over my microphone real quick <laughs> that's an interesting point um because there's this thing now obviously it's been like that on bigger scenes but forever but i even see on smaller scenes now of people refusing to watch other comics yeah like so what do you think about that because i'm a film study guy i watch comics while i'm writing jokes and i'm like you know that's a good fucking written joke that's a good joke and i'll kind of write you know obviously not what they're doing but it'll inspire me to kind of take that formula and put my own joke into that formula you know what i mean yeah, for me, I think the it's not really just like it's not only just like watching or listening to albums. It's it's going out live. And I had someone I had a, a local comedian tell me, I, you know, I don't like live comedy. That's why I don't go to shows. And I'm like, what are you what are you doing? Like, and it's like saying, right. you know, it's like being a chef and going, I don't like food. But it's like, OK, <laughs> you, you just disconnect here. Um, you know, you, I mean, you, I don't know. I'm trying not to worry about it anymore. If you're not, if you're not absorbing it, 
and not just like watching and like, oh, I don't want to absorb anyone's material, just watching various people. That's the best way you get to you get to learn and see what works. And, you know, I'm not asking you to absorb it, but like you've got to experience some. Um, it, yeah, it just I don't understand the disconnect of not taking any comedy at all. You know, yeah, yeah it's the same way as when you go into a high school English class, you read Shakespeare before you write your own short story. It's like, you know, you, you take in what's been done and then you do your own thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's just up to you. You got to put on that filter. So you try to, you don't cross those streams or, or steal from someone or whatever, you know, but, um, but yeah, you, I, I don't understand people who just don't do it, you know, and there's, you know, if you're an open micer and you're just not going and watch shows, well, there's so many, there's the, there's a the networking, but there's also just general, the how to's what to do, you know, the, it's a whole process. I don't know. Yeah. Well, not only that, but the, you know, you, you get to know people, other comedians uh, in your scene, and you're always going to find people that are funnier than you and, and people that can write better than you. And, and when you start making friendships with people, like the biggest thing that we do when we all hang out is kind of maybe give each other notes and things like that. And it's, it's not so much of a, uh, you know, it's, it's not like trying to tell you like, oh, your joke sucks, you know, here, do it like this, but somebody could give you a, uh, uh, you know, uh, another idea of a direction to go, or you know, that kind of that yeah. throwing around of ideas to to make your stuff a little bit better. Yeah, no, totally. And it, there's so much involved. So if you're not, if you don't know your your your, for me, it's not, it's not. I don't want to say the word competitor, but I love it when I watch a comedian so good that I'm like, why? Like I always say, like every open mic night, I'm like, tonight's night, I quit. Why am I doing this? But also, it's like after a while, you're like, okay, that was not that was inspiring. Now I feel like I need to up my game. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love that part of it, even though I threaten to quit every week, but you know, that's, that's just me and hating everything I'm doing lately. So <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. We like to keep it positive here on open micers. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I really wish I could find someone who was funnier than me though. Um, uh, I don't uh, know if you find anybody. I was going to ask um, um, who, who, like who was your, the, the one big comedian you loved? growing up like for me it was always george carlin mm. that's a lot of people's, i think yeah i think for me when i think back to um the bits that really stood out i think norm mcdonald keeps coming over uh, yes. coming up over and, and over again because i see i absorbed all those half hours and all you know, those thing things but like norm mcdonald is he is the only comedian i've ever seen that gets funnier when he's bombing oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah, and he's he's so weird. I just remember being a kid. Uh, I don't know how old I was, but I remember one of his his jokes, and I would use it because it was so funny. Where he talks about like it was like a dating game, and uh, the whole thing was like, "What would you do to me if I was a popsicle?" And like it was this whole big act, <laughs> and you know, and it was a stu- and I remember it was a stupid thing. And he's like, "I you know take off your wrapper." Uh, I'm probably butchering the bed. I'll grab you by your two legs. And then when he said, I'll press you against the counter till you break in two. And I was like, that is such a, a, a punchline that's just so far out there. And like, that's that's always in my brain. So every now and then I like what it's almost like a what would Norm McDonald do to this bit? Because you just you it's such a misdirection. But or, you know, it's just it's the total opposite. And it's totally what almost what comedy is. It's like take something, boom, 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 and hit them 
with something so weird that it and so absurd that it's it's the funniest thing in the world. So he's one that like sticks with me like big time. But there's bits that I remember like from people pieces, you know, from back in you know even Margaret Cho when she first started. I mean, there's so many. There's so many certain acts that just stick stick out in my head, but I think Norm Macdonald was probably like one of the one of the the best you know examples of you know of stand up comedy in my head growing up. I had a friend of mine uh, that I was in a band with, and he was a huge Norm Macdonald fan, and this was back in the '90s, and he just had his VHS tape that was just <laughs> full of like all the appearances that Norm Macdonald had, like on you know uh johnny carson and like all the late night stuff like that and it was yeah. just chock full of norm mcdonald stuff and we used to watch this tape all the time and one of the funniest ones on there like i said he was doing a, a late night i uh, think the tonight show and he was just bombing but it was so beyond hilarious the stuff he was saying because i he knew he was bombing, so he was just like i'm just gonna go for it just like yeah what are you doing? so yeah. out there it was amazing. I wish I still yeah. had that tape. <laughs> Dude, I yeah. mean, we would we'd be remiss though if we if we were on that topic and we didn't mention Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. Cuz that's literally his entire thing. <laughs> if you're bombing, fucking double down. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. Like, don't be a bitch. You've already made this stance. Just go for it. I, I like to if I have a joke that doesn't work, I like to own it and then I, you know, I kind of put it back on myself or then I just direct it right back at the audience. And I think, you know, I see a lot of people do that. But if you own it, it's it's not so lonely and it doesn't look like, you know, you're you're oblivious to it. You're not that person trying out for American Idol who can't, you know, who can't sing. You know, you're 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 kind of like, oh, well, that didn't go well. And then yeah, take that ownership of it and go down with the ship, I guess. You know? Right. Yeah, sometimes the funniest laugh you can get is when you a joke bombs and you're you acknowledge that oh well they can't all be winners yeah yeah and then they, I mean you know just or if you just, laugh. See just yeah. lean into it and go even farther <laughs> how far can I take this before I finally get like that get that uncomfortable laugh where people just like yeah. okay <laughs> like it's funny now I believe yeah. it's actually further you uneducated muppet um. <laughs> Hey, Jacob. Yeah? We got to tell the listeners about Brez Coffee Company. Oh, they're coffee for gamers by gamers. That's them. 100% free trade Colombian coffee roasted right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Sounds perfect for all-night gaming sessions, no matter what kind of gamer you are. Video games, tabletop, card games. Brez has what you need to keep sharp. They got all kind of flavors to choose from, like good for gaming light roast or the necro medium. See, I like a good dark roast, like the Critical Gaming Dark. You can even add flavors to your coffee, like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. Can't decide what you want? Then just try their specialty sample pack. Whatever your coffee of choice is, they got you covered. Head on over to BrezCoffeeCompany.com and use the code OMPODCAST to check out for 10% off of your order. Amazing! So when you have your vision for Lafayette Comedy and comedy in Lafayette. Do you see it as the kind of becoming the kind of hub that New Orleans is where you have multiple open mics a night and you can kind of go from bar to bar and have, you know, a show every week? Is that what's kind of in your in your head or or what kind of vision do you have for Lafayette comedy in the future? Um that's not my vision cuz I I like to I like to be realistic cuz I I mean it's the same reason I have it invested in a comedy club. I don't think this scene could support it. 
Um, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just a, a fact because, you know, in order to have a room, you got to do, you know, you, you want to do, a, you know, three nights a week at least, multiple shows. I don't think it's there yet. Um, and, you know, some cities can make it work, some can't. Um, so, and and we don't have the co- comedians to draw from. You know, New Orleans, you can go to, you know, they have, they have shows every night. Um, Austin, they have shows every night. But they have, the, Houston, you know, but they have the talent. They have the pool they can pull from it's you know not even you know baton rouge doesn't have you know um that many mics so and they're they're bigger than us so for me no it's it's not trying to get a show every night it's just trying to keep like a regular um rotation of like local book shows uh you know showcases if you will and then bring in the national comedians because for for us i knew from the big get-go the only way to grow the scene was to have those shows um right. and so the, for me that's just keeping that in there it would be easier if i had my own venue because it would you know just be i can go oh well we're doing two mics this you know a week and we're gonna have these other shows and start something regular but at the same time i i don't have the confidence that it would su- sustain because you know it takes a lot so yeah. um right. right now for me it's just keep going just these you know just as many national shows as lo- you know as local sh- regional shows um, that's my, that's my main thing. And I think that's just, that, that's what works right now. Yeah, but you do have that sweet spot <clears throat> between, you know, Houston, Austin and new Orleans. Like you're that, that you're that midway point. Yeah. So. so back in the day when I started, I used to have to pay more, you know, pay big time for comedians to come here because everyone wants to go to new Orleans because it's a va- vacation spot. And plus that was only where com- comedy is going to go to new Orleans or Houston. So it took a lot. And now it's kind of changed where, you know, New Orleans, you have small shows, you know, 50, 60, 70 people capacity shows, but there's no middle ground. Now you have to, don't, you know, you're making money in New Orleans, you're doing theaters, you know, 600 plus, you know, 2000 seaters, you know. So now it's to a point, now seeing a shift like right before COVID, especially to now, is that Lafayette is now the place where people are going, you know, like, you know, the, the last comedians we've had, Miss Pat, Robert Kelly, you know, a few of the other bigger shows, they're not doing the other cities. They're just coming to Lafayette and then connecting to Houston or going further. So I finally feel like the tides changed a little bit, um, which was a you know big thing. Cause I always say I was selfish when I started comedy. One, I wanted, I want comedians here. So I don't have to keep driving to New Orleans and Houston, you know? Uh, so it's like, okay, it saves me that time. But now, now Lafayette's on the map and the fact that I get like all these, not only comedians, but their agents hitting up and going, Hey, so-and-so said this about your room said this about your room that's the that's the biggest thing i can ask for so it's it's doing good shows and people going this is a good place to go go hit up that you know go hit up lafayette and then now you know people people know what it is now and um and it's it's kind of it's kind of mind-boggling that it's on the scene right now um and, and you know i couldn't ask for anything more what are your personal goals as far as as you doing comedy and i detached from the producing aspect what do you want to accomplish with your comedy um i'm kind of approaching well i am approaching it just like i did with music um i know i'm not going to get up and move anywhere you know i've got you know wife kids kind of tied here with my job um so i and when even when i played music it wasn't about like oh let's try to make it you know type of thing it was stay grounded stay real if something happens great 
but just get, continue here. And if something happens, that's perfect, you know, but right now it's as long as I'm here, do the best shows you can do from producing shows to, you know, performing to dr- drawing people in, make here the best that, you know, you have. And if something else comes along, great, but you know, I'm not trying to, you know, put something, I'm not doing TikTok videos and get this, trying to get discovered and trying to, you know, real, it's like, I rather spend my energy going, Oh, so-and-so's coming to town. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to get you some food at, we're going to hang out and we're going to do a great show. And if you want to come back or, you know, someone wants to come back, let me know, you know? So that's where I'm at. Do you feel oh, yeah, like man. Uh, that one thing I was going to ask you, cause, uh, do you feel like TikTok and stuff kind of takes away from the mystique of, of certain comedians? Like I, I feel like, doing it in an old school way where you just get out on the road and just road dog it, where you just get in front of as many people as you can, um, trying to be as funny as you can and start, you know, starting your career like that versus, you know, putting out a TikTok video where all of a sudden, you know, a million people like it and you go viral and all of a sudden you've got a quote unquote career. Like, do you think the presence of like social media like that is hurting or helping? comedy at all. No, I I think it's all good because I mean there's back up before like TikTok and stuff, like Hannibal really popped when his Bill Cosby bit went out there. I mean he was already established, people knew who he was, mm-hmm. but it you know that was something for him that really popped him. So you can get people like that. I think any medium's great. I just don't have the you know one, I barely even put out clips. I only have one clip online and it's uh you know it's the only thing you can find of me on on, on YouTube and it's just a it was just a unique you know, set, uh, you know, bit or whatever. Um, you know, I, if I, if I had the energy or just the, I don't know, the, I'm very like self-conscious of putting stuff out there, you know, I, I don't know. So for me, I, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not at a point where I feel I need to do it, but other people do it great. The the one thing I don't like right now, uh, and I get a lot of agents hitting up for these type of comedians, uh, comedians, uh, is that uh, these Instagram comics now, you know, it's like, hey, book this person. He has like a hundred, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers and whatever. His video has been watched seven million times. And like, okay, but is he stand up? He's not. It's some dude who puts a face filter on in his car and does these, you know, bits. And then now they're shopping around as a comedian. And like to me, like that that muddies the water a little bit. But then again, great for him. I mean, you find a way, and hopefully that person's transitioning to you know, into, into stand-up. And they may have been a stand-up comedian, could have been, you know, or, you know, someone in, in, in Hattiesburg. And then next thing you know, they're viral and great. Then, you know, pushes them the next thing. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. It's just, it's just not my, uh, my flavor. You know, I don't post short bits of myself for friends on Facebook, you know? So I just kind of approach things a little different, but I'm, my goal is not to get myself out there. See, so just, my, I'm kind of like rooted here. I don't like putting my stuff out like on you know like clips on youtube or instagram and stuff like that because i feel like if i put it out there then i I can't do it anymore you know like (laughs) if i put it out on on online then people see it and and like if i do it on stage like i i don't know it's weird i just feel like if i put it out there then I, i can't do it on stage anymore you know yeah i felt that way too um like for, for other people, but I've seen so many people, you know, people come in and they, they do the sets and they'll do, they'll do material that's out there, you know, on Netflix, Amazon. And, and you know, it, it's, yeah, you can have some true people, true fans who watched everything and they're going to know it, but they still enjoy the bits. I mean, 
I've heard so many comedians I've had here do stuff I know. And I'm like, you know, some people, I can almost tell you every joke they do. As soon as they started, I know the punchline. It doesn't bother me. I still would, enjoy it. You, you would know? think with a music background, I would have a different perspective on that. Like, it's kind of, kind of like putting a yeah. song out there. Just because a band puts a song out doesn't mean they can't do it live, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I go through the same, that same way but of, of thinking. But, and even when I started comedy, I felt this kind of same way. I felt like I had to have more. But I realized, like, you, you know, who's your audience, you know? You, yeah, you get some regulars, and I'm sure they're tired of hearing the jokes. But if they're still laughing, you know, then great. And then most of your crowds, you know, it's, it's, it's new people, you know, they keep cycling through. And so, yeah, I don't even, I don't even worry about it anymore. I get, I get, you know, I get in my head too, because I do a show and I'm like, how many of these people were here last time? I'm sure they've heard all my jokes, you know, cause I've been, you know, hosting all the shows, but that's just the nature of the beast. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the well, biggest thing for me is that there's a comedian I really like and he put out an album uh, last year and there was stuff on there that I, I know because like I, there was a compilation he was on and it went back eight years and I went back and traced how far, but that was, you know, that was his, his first album. And those, those, those are his early bits. And so those are, you know, the ones you hold tight. Um, and people do that for years and years and years before they even do an album. So yeah. they've been repeating it and repeating it over and over again. And then, you know, then, it, then it's out there. I need to get running here in a couple of minutes if I'm going to make that open mic, boys. So, right. uh, JP, <laughs> thanks so micers. much for coming on, man. Um, really great having you. And last plugs. Let's uh, let's tell the people where they can find you, what, everything they need to know about Lafayette Comedy. Yeah, just Lafayette Comedy on all the social media except TikTok. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Twitter's garbage. Don't worry about it. Um, and then, you know, just LafayetteComedy.com. Um, you know, we're not too far from where, where you're at. I've driven to both of your cities, so um, it's not a bad drive. And, you know, if you want to come see some shows, come on down. Or if you're a comic and you want to come through, you know, shoot me a message and we'll, we'll try to squeeze you on the show. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for coming on again. So uh, what you got going on, plug, Jacob? Yes, tomorrow night I'm going to be on a zoom show might be the last ever zoom show i ever do you don't know at this point <laughs> it's uh gonna it's called one more dad joke so you can follow one more dad joke on facebook you can follow open micros on facebook to get that zoom link it's gonna be uh all clean comedy with your best dad joke at the end of it so uh yeah i don't know sit down your fucking five-year-old in front of it make them watch my jokes fantastic <laughs> um, great promos <laughs> yeah I don't know if I, I don't have any book shows that I can think of right now. Just uh, open mic stuff and uh, uh, trying to get some uh, some shows going in New Orleans too. So hopefully I can get get a foothold over there and uh, and build some shows over there. And uh, so keep an eye yeah, out yeah. for that. Just keep an eye on everything here at Open Micers on Twitter and Facebook. So uh, JP, it's been awesome, man. Glad to have you on the show. It's good to talk to you again. And, Thank you, uh, man. Carlos Mencia, uh, August sixth, sixth and seventh. Thank you. <laughs> Let's see who we got coming up. We got Carlos Mencia, August sixth and seventh. You got, uh, let's see, of course, Kyle Kinane. Uh, I'm gonna have to come over for Kyle Kinane on uh, December eighth. Uh, just go yeah. to uh, LafayetteComedy.com. Got a whole host of people coming over there in Lafayette. And uh, if you're in the Lafayette area, do yourself a favor and go check out some of these shows. So uh, that's gonna do yeah. it for this week. Anything else before we walk out the door, Mister Craig? No, I'm good, fam. Let's get it.
All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. If you want to email us, you can email us, openmikerspodcast at gmail.com. We're at openmikers on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, openmikerspodcast on uh, Facebook and ompodcast, uh, openmikers.com, to go to our Patreon, which you can support us. Support us over there, like like that that bastard BJ DeBlow. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>